Sunday, episode nine, Real City Ambassadors. Uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Um, you know, I always like to count my blessings, uh, not only because it's Thanksgiving, but all throughout the year. And I, I wanted to be very intentional about who I interviewed prior to Thanksgiving. So it's so fitting to have my brother, you know, he is native San Franciscan. He's Native American Chicano, so he's like native to the max to San Francisco. He's uh, currently an arts instructor at Larkin Street Youth Services, but really like his passion, his drive is being a, a, in, an independent producer, audio engineer, DJ, and we'll talk more about that, under his own production company, Jump House Music. Um, I give you my brother, my brother, aka Hella Fat. Carlos Gonzalez, Carlos G. <laughs> bro? Yo, you did it again, man. It's Gutierrez, but it's all ah! good. <laughs> it's all I did good. it again. Carlos G. Gutierrez. It's oh, my good, God. Man. You know, I, I, I got I to gotta work that out <laughs> real quick. Work that muscle. It's all good, man. Uh, thank you again, man, for having me, dude. This is, like, a serious honor, like, you know, you're putting me on your platform. I know it's going to be heard by many people in the community and um, just grateful. You know, it is around that time of the year to be grateful. And yep. this is a celebration of that. So, yeah, you know, and just in case people, you know, just browse through the, the bio, like you're the reason why we have a theme to Real City Ambassadors, <laughs> you know, um, and, and we'll talk about how that came to be how we whipped it up, how we worked on it, how we felt about it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I love it. I just, we'll talk about that. I don't want to get myself, I don't want to get ahead. Let's talk, let's start with you, you know. Um, uh, tell us again, San Franciscan, where were you raised in San Francisco? So I was raised in the Bayview Hunters Point District of San Francisco. Um, you got any streets you can name? I'm not going to say my exact street. No, you don't have to. But, so. I live by like Silver Terrace Park. like A word. Silver Bayshore area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of on the hill where, you know, you got like a beautiful view of the bridge. I know that area really so, well. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm just really like uh, grateful and 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 um, it's just been really nice growing up here, man. Like to see all the diversity of the neighborhood, to see like. It's been changing a bit, of course, because of you know the massive changes in uh, real estate and stuff happening in the city. But overall, I think it's really maintained its roots, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm still here, you know. I'm still in the baby in my my little home studio right now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so that's where I call home. Yep. So let's break it down before we jump into it. Jump house, and then there's hella fat, and then Carlos G. That's right. all of you. But break down what each one represents or what each one is. Right, right. I think it kind of it can confuse people at times because it it's definitely just by association. People mm -hmm. call me Carlos G. People call me Los. People people uh -huh. call me Hella Fat. People call me yeah. by my real name Benito. You know, but uh -huh. really what it is is a uh, Jump House Music is a music services company. Mm -hmm. um, I provide audio engineering, production, and DJing services. Um, throughout the bay area i've done a lot a bit of work in new york uh, as well and um jump house is kind of like the umbrella company mm. over all the music service platform services that i do hella uh, fat is kind of like a brand almost like an alter ego yeah it's more of a lifestyle brand that i that i goes under jump house music but it's its own entity uh basically hella fat is like my producer alter ego my DJ alter alter ego. Mm. Um, it's a character that I've actually developed into like a 3D video form. Yeah. Um, it it's a, it's just a moniker that I that I go by. That's you know, and and to go by and to really explain what hella fat means, people often right. have different reactions. Well, hella fat, like, <laughs> like you're making fun of yourself. It sounds like you're dissing yourself. Like, uh huh. You kind of like. You know, but I'm, I'm trying to flip that image of fat and uh, hella being like a California word and fat, F-A-T being, you know, usually con usually talks about your weight and like your your image. But I'm trying to flip that image of, of fatness in terms of positivity. You know what I mean? I mean, because like, it is used. I don't know. Is that an East Coast thing? Like back in the day, they used to well, use fat like. 
I think it's a West Coast thing, you know. Okay. Like, oh shit, you know, my wallet's hella fat right now because you know I just got paid, or like yeah. I went to the I went to the taqueria and I got this burrito. Damn, this burrito is hella fat. Right, right. You know, like that that is something that is thrown out there a lot. Yeah, but people get it confused because they think I spell it with F A T. Mm, you know, like Fat Farm. Like that, uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm just showing folks your Instagram real quick, so that you know yeah. if they're tuned in, they they know about you, and you have your website too. Um, let's get let's before we dive into um th this aspect of your life, let's stop and let's talk about what schools you went to, like growing up. Mm -hmm. You you born or you were raised in the Bayview. What um what elementary school did you go to? So I went to Buena Vista Elementary in yeah. uh, the Mission District. Yeah, by twenty. Right Back then, it was by Twenty uh, Fourth and Petrero. So right um, now, it's called Buena Vista Horse. Man, it's located on Twenty Third, right? And, and mm -hmm. like, uh, but where? What you said it was on Twenty Fifth. The original site was on yeah twenty tw by Twenty Fourth and Petrero, like right off Twenty Fifth, basically, hmm. uh, a few blocks away. Uh, it was on the backside of La Raza Park. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, Otro de Sol Raza Park. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that was elementary school. And, and and I bring it up because obviously I know Buena Vista, of Buena Vista, and they've always been involved in Carnival. Was that something you were involved growing up? Oh, yeah, definitely. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like ever since like I think it was kinder or first grade, like they had us dressing up in the costumes and we would take like recycled like water bins and like turn those into drums mm -hmm. and Did you have all the youngsters out there like drumming and and learning from a uh, felipe uh -huh. felipe and um john calloway you know they were our, our first uh music teachers back then and um yeah they had us super involved you know we would, we would rehearse every weekend for a few months leading up to it and um yeah, it was it was good times. It, it definitely is like a San Francisco staple and classic, you know, which is why I, I'm involved in it now, you know. Hey, shout out to John Calloway, by the way. <laughs> he, he is one of my San Francisco mission or just San Francisco heroes uh, yeah. because he's brought up a lot of musicians, a lot of really great individuals Definitely. period were, did you that. were you already inclined like was were you musically inclined did well, you know or John, you just being a kid gives me a hard time because he's like man i'm he, he'll be like oh you went to nyu because i taught you music in, in kindergarten. <laughs> i can see him bragging yeah yeah you know I, I i'm sure it's like a badge of honor for him to have so many students doing amazing things in music like under his wing you know under his um guidance mm -hmm. but yeah i wasn't initially musically inclined like my neither of my parents were musicians or, or artists in particular my mom did a bit of theater with a mm -hmm. uh, teatro campesino where um, no way wait um, where, where was she raised my my mom's from southern california and my dad's oh. from uh the bay area from from hayward san jose Oh, word? So, no way. Yeah, and and um, yeah, just going back to my musical in, like inclinations, like uh -huh. I, I had no background, but I remember picking up the recorder and like having like a little book, uh huh, and like teaching myself all the little melodies on the recorder from the book, and then uh, picking up clarinet with John in like fourth grade, and just kind of kept kept going from there. But like, definitely like my music taste and my musical um influences started out with my parents and like combination of like being around the arts and culture through bv for sure nice mm -hmm. and you know it wasn't hard right being in san francisco being exposed to so much music but um yeah. and by the way i need to bring john calloway on this for sure <laughs> he'll have stories for days and then yeah, so yeah. that was elementary school and then in middle school where did you end up going so for middle school i ended up going to james lick uh okay. middle school um, which was a, a bit of a different experience for me because uh, BV like had such a tight knit community. Uh, it was like uh, like all of my friends went there. Our like our parents were friends. There was a community there that uh, really harnessed like our our education, our well being. And then I went to James Lick, which was like straight up like, oh man, these pictures are crazy because I haven't even been back since. Then. <laughs> But like, yeah, it was just a whole different experience. We had kids from all around the city. Um, 
you know, it, it was a little rougher. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, luckily through that, that school, like I was able to do the bilingual immersion program mm. and keep on, keep continuing my Spanish, developing my Spanish and um, uh, keep developing my education. And then at a certain point, you know, it was like, getting time to apply for high schools and and i was on track oh, what was your scene like uh in middle school like were you heavily involved in music or were you just well what were you like in middle school well, what was your thing i was like a, i was kind of a shy kid you know but uh -huh. i had a lot of friends from elementary school that went to james lake but i was kind of a shy kid like i kind of stuck to myself mm -hmm. you know when I, i i would get i would have my little hijinks in, in middle school for sure but like when i saw that it was like gonna affect like okay i gotta when it was gonna affect my education and my grades i i dialed back and i kind of i was kind of shy I, i i was kind of introverted um but i was like into like emo rock and like uh -huh. punk rock and like hip-hop uh -huh. and um reggae like i was starting to get introduced to reggae and nice though you know listening to like my parents records like i i got my first pair of turntables when i was like 12 13 And I started. How did that with, come about? Well, uh, I just really showed an interest in DJing um, growing up, and and I had, I actually saw we had a substitute teacher one day at James Lick, uh -huh. and my friend um, George George Anzaldo, mm -hmm. he, he brought a tape that said uh, DJ Cubert and Mixmaster Mike like DJ animation battle or something like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, it was called Wave Twisters. He brought this tape, handed it to the substitute teacher, and we're sitting there in class watching this DJ live DJing with like animation and like scratch DJing, and that really like influenced me. It really like made the 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 my skin tingle. You know what I mean? I, uh -huh. like, I want to do that. And um, was that a well known? Were those well known DJs? Uh, yeah, DJ Cuber is like one of the best scratch djs turntablists battle djs in the world as well as let me Nick see Mike hold Mike, give, give me give me a second give me a second i do want to bring this up i'm, I'm is, is this the is yeah, this Hubert? That's yeah that's ah. so he he influenced me a lot and um when i got my first pair of turntables i started learning taking my parents records and like records that i started to collect and started to like blend them uh do like uh scratching and mm -hmm. uh Beat juggling and all that kind of thing and later on i even like entered a few battles here in the city when i was like <laughs> 14 15 uh -huh. like, kid all these guys were like well-groomed djs and I was where just, did these battles take out. place so i used to go to these battles called um the zebra record zebra records battles down in lower hate and um zebra records was just a small mom and pop like record store slash a turntable vendor mm. they used to sell dj gear there and mm. they would hold battles every sunday so i used to go down there and uh as a little youngster and check out these guys who i thought were much older they were probably in their early 20s then uh -huh. but they were they were the, the cream of the crop of of the dj field and there was people traveling around the country and around the world just to be at this mom and pop shop to get the chance to dj against like some of the bay area's best wow. so It was actually a really good exposure to the culture. And um, yeah, it got me into like uh, turntablism. And then eventually I got a drum machine. So I, I would start to like plug in my beats and scratch to my own beats and mm -hmm. in my bedroom. Like I was like 12, 13 years old, just like taking the wires and the cabling and the old home stereo that I had laying around and like start plugging it in and figuring out like engineering what what now is i call engineering but yeah um yeah so dj the dj battles the dj scene what's it what's a a set what is a simple set look like so usually you only have like two to three minutes to like mm -hmm. pull off all of your all of your tricks so mm -hmm. um it usually starts with like an intro of some sort to bring people in to get people excited Mm. And then you want to show like your best scratching, your best beat juggling. You know, if you have any like original tricks um, that you you can pull off that you were just experimenting with, it was really like an experimental sound. But it was like using the turntables, the needles, and the vinyl 
uh, however you could. Wow. To to produce sounds that you know really nobody had been heard, nobody had been hearing before, mm. and then like you know that kind of scene took over the the masses where you you know you heard, started hearing scratching and like commercials and stuff like that, and like it just Did took you- over. Did you have a DJ that you looked up to here in the Bay or, or were you looking um, at other ones outside? Yeah. I got the opportunity to study under a DJ named DJ Cutso mm. from San Jose. He's from the, uh, the bangers crew. They actually like did the soundtrack for the Jabberwockies mm. uh, in their showcase in Las Vegas. But DJ Cutso has also been on the radio with ninety four nine. Is this is this Cutso? Yep, that's him. Oh, Cutso, man! I haven't seen you. Let me talk to you in a while, but yo, you changed the game for me, man. Where? What was it about him and, and his style that that influenced you? Well, he he brought in like records that I never heard before, like a tribe mm. called Quest and yeah. Jurassic Five and The Roots, and he just gave me the opportunity to like use his turntables and and his insights Mm. and just showed me everything he knew and then at a certain point like i was i was starting to level up experience wise with some of these guys you know yeah and um but he he's he's really awesome he was really awesome mentor back then welcomed me into his home and showed me a lot um and this is all happening while you're in high school this is still in middle school. Uh huh. <laughs> and then high school. I, I want to just quickly transition because I want to know how your experience in high school influenced uh, what you were doing outside. And you went to the urban. I found I out the urban school. Blame Facebook. But can you explain <laughs> what the urban school is? Because uh, it's a top-notch private school in San Francisco. Yeah, so I got I ended up getting into urban on a scholarship. Like I had to apply and like take like a basically like a SAT exam for like mm-hmm. middle schoolers <laughs> to yeah. get into private high school and then yeah. I excelled really well. I had a great GPA. I had, I had a good resume. I had started working as a soccer referee. <laughs> I used to play <laughs> soccer. Yeah. And then and then on top of that, I was um inter- interested in DJing. And I, I remember in my interview with Urban, I had mentioned that I was working towards having my own turntables and becoming a DJ. And then they found a scholarship match, like a, a donor mm. that was in like radio and communications and in sports. Whoa. And like they ended up giving me almost a full ride to Urban. And it, wow. that changed my whole life in a whole nother way because like it was coming from like, Almost like a, I don't, I want to, I don't want to call it a prison to pipeline school. Uh-huh. Lake was definitely like a rough school to go to. Mm-hmm. Not everyone made it out of there. No, I, I, and, I know what you mean. And then, but they gave me this opportunity to go to this like upper echelon school with mm-hmm. like, you know, very, a lot of privilege, a lot of like very wealthy families. Go what did the there. demographics look like at the urban school? It, it was mostly like upper echelon, like uh, elite 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 mm-hmm. educated mm-hmm. and privileged students you know yeah um, no, that, that was just that was just a factor and it was known but i really respect urban because they really worked on their diversity equity and inclusion mm. they, they brought in a lot of students of color um, they allowed us to ha- hold space and like throw our own events and um throw meetings just was there did you experience about. any culture shock definitely, definitely. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Going from James Lick to, to urban school was a culture shock, no doubt. Um, but I had a lot of support there. Um, nice. Kind of in like mentorship and like the teachers and, and the people there um, at the school really supported my goals and, and what I wanted to accomplish out of that, that opportunity. And they supported me by uh, giving uh, me access to the art programs. Mm-hmm. So I was I was in the theater program. I was in the visual arts programs. Um, I was in uh, peer resources, the students of color groups. Yeah. So I was involved in in a lot of things there. But I I always took this route like academically because I was trying to make it all make all the academics make sense to me. Like mm-hmm. 
how am I going to use this down the line? You know? Okay. And I, so I even remember I took an AP calculus class in my senior year. Wasn't doing so great. <laughs> to be honest, that shit's hard. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I was like, how is this going to connect to me? So I started doing my own research on uh, calculus and how it connects to sound engineering. And there's like these charts and these like articles about like how calculus relates to sound engineering. So I would bring stuff like that from my own personal mm -hmm. um, art forms and passions and I would bring that to the table and it would mentor me, you know, through the and process. So, you know, uh, high schoolers start thinking about college, uh, like, well, I mean, throughout their life, you know, with their parents' support, of course, but really it's junior year, right? When, right. when, when they're like, all right, you really got to be on track and kind of figure out where you want to go. Did you know where you, you know, I know where you ended up going. Uh, did mm -hmm. you know already you wanted to go to a specific school? No, I mean, that was another thing. They they really, like, pushed the college track conversation mm -hmm. early. You know, mm -hmm. my sophomore year, I had no idea. And I remember telling them, you know, like, I want to go to an elite school. Like, I want to go to a, a Harvard or or uh, a somewhere where it's, it's going to bring me, like, the longevity that I right. want for my life, you know. But I hadn't then decided what – what track I want or what degree I wanted to go for. And yeah, that's cause I was doing music. I was doing music. I was doing theater. I was doing spoken word and creative writing. Mm -hmm. um, I did a bit of visual arts. Um, uh, it wasn't until they sent urban sent me to a semester long program called the Oxbow school, mm. which is a boarding art school in Napa for high schoolers from around the country. And so I ended up going there for a semester and dabbling in like visual arts, uh, multimedia arts, installation art, performing arts. Is Oxbow yeah, right here? That's it. Yep. So wait, wait, we'll break this down because this is new. You know, we we don't come from these backgrounds, so no. So I, this I is uh. It, I feel it. It was a really rare opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I had a mentor at Urban in the theater program that that was like. Well, you don't have, I was like, I don't have a visual arts background, but I want to learn and I want this opportunity. And they were like, mm -hmm. we'll do it, apply anyway, you know? And um, I applied and I got in and I got to live in these studios basically uh -huh. for four months. And develop. So this is during the summer or when? This was the first, no, this was the second semester of my junior year. Got it, got it. So when I had come back from this program the next year, when I had to start filling out college applications, mm -hmm. I had no, I had known that what what I wanted to do, and it was in definitely in the arts. Got it, got it. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so and I'm just gonna post this photo right here. NYU. That was you. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did that decision come to be? And um, that that's what did it mean to you? Story. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I really believe in like synchronicity and like the powers of the universe, like aligning things for you. Mm -hmm. If you put out the, those, the energy, if you're putting out the, if you're speaking it, if you're living it into existence, it will yeah. come with the right preparation, of course, because nothing really comes by luck. It comes by preparation, uh, a mixture of opportunity and preparation. And the support system. Let's yeah. never forget that. So Urban definitely offered me a support system. But they, 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 well, initially I had showed interest in NYU mm -hmm. and the summer before senior year, I had flown myself and my sister mm -hmm. out to um, New York. <laughs> <laughs> How old is your tour. sister? How old is your sister? My sister's like five years older than me. She's got it, got it. Now. But um, back then I was a teenager and she was a little bit older. She was in college. Uh-huh. Um, we, we we took a bus from Ohio. Well, I think I had flown to Ohio, and then I took a bus from Ohio, where she was living, to New York. We busted mm -hmm. in, and then um, I took a tour of of New York, but the tour guide had was in the Tisch School of the Arts. The what school? The Tisch School of the Arts. Which okay, is what is that? It's one of the colleges in NYU. Ah, 
Okay, okay. So NYU is divided by like a bunch of different colleges. So okay. he happened to be in the theater program at Tisch. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, yo, like I'm a spoken word artist, I'm a musician. This and that. he's like, Oh, you want to check out Clive Davis? And mm. I was like, Clive mm-hmm. Davis, I know who that is. Yeah. Because I remember on Saturday mornings, my dad would be playing Santana up in our living room. And one day he had pulled me over with the Time magazine and said, hey, look, this is a guy named Clive Davis. He discovered Santana. He's a music executive. And I had no idea what that was. Yeah. But when they said Clive Davis, I was like, it just it just made sense. Yeah. And then I went full full force and like really started developing my, my music portfolio and specifically for this application uh-huh. to NYU. And I was, ended up being one out of 25 applicants to be accepted out of like maybe 10,000 applicants. There's a lot of applicants that I believe you. Oh, it's yeah. a really, really like high profile program, but um, I gave it my best shot. You know, I did my mm-hmm. interview. Uh, I wrote like four essays. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to send in a digital portfolio with a sample of my work. Um, yeah. And actually, the guy who was on my portfolio work was uh, Adam Vita, A1. He was, the, he was the MC on my on my production that I had sent in to NYU. Adam Vita. Uh, shout out to Adam. Shout is, out he, to, uh, is he a rapper? Yeah. He's a local rapper. A lot of folks. Is this, is this Adam Vita? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So shout cool. out to Adam. Shout out to Adam. Also, shout out to my friends, uh, Isaac Ramos. And- La Vida Frisco. Yeah, shout man, out I gotta to listen to him, man. Where the where the hell have where the fuck I been, bro? Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the he's missing this. Adam Vita. Come on, now. I know, man. <laughs> I've been in a fucking cave. That's why I need to. That's why I'm talking to you, bro. But yeah, I just want to <laughs> give a, a quick shout out to Adam, to Isaac Ramos, uh huh, of the Slap Factory Profit Crew. Yeah, we also came up doing music together in high school at Urban, Word. and uh, me and Adam and I started our first crew at Urban. Mm-hmm. Um at a aim high summer program. Cause we're all teaching at the same program and we, we formed a, a group. And like, since then we've all been doing our own. Our so own you, you two are the same age about, yeah, just about. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I got to check him out, man. I've been sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. You I've been sleeping. sleeping. You ever heard of him? You know? Um, yeah. So these guys, my friends were like definitely also influential uh-huh. in the work that I, I did really young because um, they, it gave me a community around music. Mm. Like we, we play as a live band mm. and I was a DJ for the band. So as a DJ, I would observe and try to add my nuances. Mm-hmm. To what, what are nuances? Were. What kind of nuances? Just like my scratch, scratch nuances, and like production nuances, like with the drum machine, got it, got beatboxing, it. like doing vocal beatboxing. And uh, it it kind of like showed me how to craft a record because I was seeing them do it live, and wow. then I would take influences from that and and apply it to like my drum machines and like my guitar playing and stuff I was doing on the side. So mm. Isaac Ramos, shout out, Sack Master is his name, Adam Vita, uh, the Prophet Crew, those were my homies. Or they still are my homies. You know, we've we've got, we go way back basically. Profit Crew SF. Mm-hmm. It probably like we. There's probably no digital trace of this now. I know. I'm looking them up. These are like the MySpace days. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating yourself right now, bro. These are the MySpace days. We're not getting younger, but don't don't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> the good old MySpace, man. So yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna uh, fast forward a little bit and just showcase this photo. So this is you now. You know, this yeah, is, yeah, that was a few years ago. It's a few years um, ago. Um, what was it like coming back to? Well, did you want to come back to San Francisco? Um, how did ooh. that come to be? And what was that transition like for you? Because you were living in New York for four years, five. I was actually there for six years. <laughs> six years, hey, bro, man, take your time. So yeah. you were out there for six years, living the New York life, being exposed to all these artists and 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 other experiences. What made you come back to the Bay? Make you come back to San Francisco? 
Yeah, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because I didn't really speak on my experiences in New York so much. But um, yeah, I I had the opportunity to study with like some really like landmark industry people from like Bob Power, who was like the engineer behind Tribe Called Quest and Erica Badu, The Roots. How did you end up working with Bob? Uh, I took a I took a digital audio workshop, uh, digital digital audio workstation class with Bob Power. Um, the gentleman, yeah, that's so he was an instructor at NYU. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and we also worked with like we also had a Swiss Beats was a producer in residence in my program. No shit, Swiss uh, Beats. Ilmine, Ilmine, the producer. That's um, crazy. Swiss Beats, Ilmine, the producer was another teacher. And, and through that community, I started branching out my skill set. Like, I started feeling more confident in my, my ability as a producer beyond mm. beat making. It was mm. it really went into, like, how the industry works, how to negotiate contracts, how to, how to produce a marketing plan, um, yeah. how to produce a business plan, how to produce an album, how to develop talent. All wow. of those stuff was taught. Um, and I also got really into the social entrepreneurship side too, which is why going back to your question is like, it actually in, in Swizz's words, Swiss beats words, he said, you know, you should go back to your community and build a scene uh, locally and build outward from there. Because, because those are the people that you want to have your back. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be like your, your, your first followers, your, and when you're experimenting with different sounds and different t- styles, mm. they're, the, they're like kind of like your feedback group. They're going to give you feedback on your on your work. Um, going back to your question, initially yeah. I didn't want to leave New York. Mm. Uh, it became like a financial circumstance that like I had to move back to the Bay. It got expensive to live in in New York. I was I was staying in an apartment in Harlem for two years. And it got expensive. The rent went up on me. And my what was job, happening? How did it just get expensive? Did you see the changes happening in those six yeah, years? Yeah, the same things we talk about here in the mission with the real estate boom and the flipping of properties. That was mm. happening in Harlem at the same time. And oh. um, the rent went up on me. And then I, I ended up having to sell my last piece of gear wow. to, to, to ship everything back to the city and to get my plane flight back to the city. So I had to Damn. really, I had to start all over, but I had a, a, a strong network in New York. I had um, these like rare opportunities. I was doing beat showcases. I was producing independent artists out there. Mm-hmm. I was DJing. Um, and, then then, you, and then you come back and the scene here is completely different. I've never been to New York. I'll be, I'll be very honest, but I know from folks that have been, it's like night and day, right? Um, yeah, you yeah. come here. How do you begin to rebuild your community or your network? Who are the people oh. you started reaching out to first? Well, initially it was well, initially it was Carnival. To be yeah. honest, I remember. Carnival. So wait, when we when that we first like, met, you had just came from New York. Yeah, yeah, oh, I was. Shit. I was just like I was like 23, 24, yeah, well, I mean, 2013. Yeah. You know, um, Carnival was kind of going through a turbulent time itself too. Mm-hmm. But I saw that I saw a match for me being involved because um, I had just studied like online fundraising and like mm-hmm. multimedia production. And so around that time, like I was helping Carnival with um, producing like a fundraising video and do it helping with the social media and the web design, the web development, yep. the web design yep, yep. and things like that, that I picked up in college. And I was like, this is a good start because I know through Carnival, I'm going to meet so many people from around yeah. the way that are artists, that are uh, merchandisers, uh, musicians, dancers, everything. So I really hit the ground running with that. And um, That's cool. it was a huge transition because in New York, the industry comes, it's kind of like a trickle down effect. You have hmm. a lot of like corporations and bigger music companies that, that fund and market the music, the talent. But hmm. here it's more of like a, a grassroots ground up approach because we don't have as many like resources. 
but another another thing that I was really interested in at the time because I was learning like web design and web development, social media marketing, and all these things that would be incorporated into my music, I I I found an interest in in the tech industry here. I mean, yeah. there there was an opportunity for me to at least learn and grow through utilizing technology to develop platforms within the community. Yeah. So yeah. No, and, that's and how you, Carnival is like the ground zero for that because, and, and then we eventually have like, I mean, like it's we've crossed like, paths ever yeah. since then. Yeah. Definitely. You know? And I want to, I want I want to come back to that eventually. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to show the photo. I mean, uh, I'm fast forwarding quite a bit. This is six years late later, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you have hella fat, uh, when did you, was that a moniker that came from New York or that's something you developed here? That's something I developed in the West coast when I moved right. back. Okay. Jump house music. What basically like I had been going by a studio startup and I mm -hmm. picked my like thesis capstone, mm -hmm. to, like a panel of people at, at NYU, like, and then I got in feedback and taking some of the advice they gave me, I just kind of pivoted my business model and started over in the Bay and uh, really like hella fat is like the alter ego. It's like, uh, it's like my, it's like my character in like 3d animation form. Yeah. Tell me about what this, tell me the vision behind uh, this project. So hella fat, the new wonder uh -huh. is a collection of uh, sci-fi ambient, sounds that i produced uh-huh and so what i did was i took sci-fi ambient sounds and i made a short ep yeah and i made a visual ep along with it where i i designed this character in this universe that hella fat lives in in, ah. in space <laughs> uh-huh because it's a sci-fi project but when i put out the the material on soundcloud and spotify apple music and all those platforms I also included it on my website mm. where you can download these sounds that I produce and you can remix them royalty free um, straight off my website, Hella Fat Kits. Right here, Hella Fat Kits. The interesting part about this website though is that I collect, I can collect payments through debit, credit, PayPal, mm. Apple Cash, and cryptocurrencies through Coinbase. Nice, nice. So, you could pay in cryptocurrency and pay for some samples or for some for some songs of mine. I mean, a Bitcoin is seventeen thousand dollars, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throwing seventeen thousand right there. That's cool. Um, mm -hmm. and 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 um, you have there's several uh, what do you call them? Several pieces uh, to this project. I'm by I'm not describing pieces. I mean like different sound pieces. Mm -hmm. Uh. What's 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 the goal behind creating different sound uh, videos pieces? Well, the 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 vision is that I'm gonna I'm I'm this is a storyline in development. Mm -hmm. Hella Fat has a story. He he grew like he. I could go into it a little bit. No, go do it. I don't want to go too deep into it because it's it. I could go off. Take us <laughs> in there. Take us to the world of Hella Fat. Hella Fat is a is a young man from the mission district of san francisco who who through the the, tr the trials and tribulations of gentrification is getting forced out of his house him and his mother have been forced out of his house yeah in his own kind of sadness and depression he he wanders the street and discovers uh this portal into another universe nice right and that's what that portal represents Cool. So he, this this is the prequel to the story. This is when he first lands in space. Oh, he, that explains why he's kind of like looking around. Right, right. And I designed I designed the character. I had it three D animated. Uh -huh. I, had the, I had the world three D animated, and so the the actual portal move the frequencies of the light uh -huh. move yeah. with the sound, move uh, with the frequencies of sound. That's true. So it's all connected, but um. Yeah, even some of the titles are called like Threshold, mm -hmm. Threshold, and you know, there's different titles to the songs that kind of represent kind of rebirth, a new beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he goes through an adventure in space that I, I'm storyboarding and, and writing the story progressively and um, 
eventually we'll have it animated in a, in a short film. Love it. Love it, bro. But does he come back to the mission or what see, happens? See, we don't know what happens. I can't give that away. <laughs> the cool thing about it is that I'm, I'm completely producing it and, and soundtracking it. Yeah. And that the soundtracks will be available on my website to download the, the full composition, or you could download layers or different parts of the song to be able to remix and reproduce in your own compositions, which so, is kind of this whole other industry of like drum kits and loop packs, which is like a whole different scene that's like blowing up right now. So, so um, when I was thinking about, look, I really, I need a theme. I need a theme to the Real City Ambassadors. And it's funny that you mentioned, I saw this visual uh, music uh, project on Instagram. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, no shit. Like my man, Carlos, like, of course he can, you know, he's got, <laughs> he's got all the tricks. He knows the tricks and, and knows how to like produce and he's a beat maker. Like, let me hit him up. Yeah. And that was it. Yo, I just, you know, say, Hey bro, this is what I'm working on. This is my vision. Um, let's, let's see what we can, we can make out of it. Um, can you talk about how we, you know, how that process was, obviously, you know, we went through a few beats, you know, what did you have cooking already uh, when, when we started working on the Real City Ambassadors theme? Well, when, I, when you approached me with that idea, with your idea and, and this project in mind, I wanted to create something that was like fresh, refreshing, you know, represented like the caliber of the people that you're bringing into the show. Something yeah. that's like, um, also, but also like hip hop and also like Bay, Bay, yeah. you know, like, so <laughs> you gave me a, a wide spectrum of music mm -hmm. beats sounds and, and, and we had to go through this con it was just really a conversation about what's the feel, what, what is the feel that we want to get? And the one thing I did say in terms of tempo was like, I want to be able to be walking, have a like a, a pace as if I'm just walking down the streets of the mission of San Francisco looking side to side. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in my city. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, See, I wanted to make something more like when you mentioned walking, like I didn't, I, I can't go too big with the sound. I have to keep mm -hmm. it toned down and mellow, you know? Yeah. So I was really kind of like inspired by like, Jay Dilla and like Slum Village and like underground hip hop styles like coming up. So I was like, this this has got to be like a backpacker like hip hop song. Right a here. backpacker. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know? Uh huh. So yeah, I took I put together a few sounds. I used um, some plugins on my on my software on my music software. Mm. I used Arcade. I used some splice sounds. Um, I used um, some original composition that I composed MIDI-wise, but like all the, I used some royalty-free samples and I, I programmed all of it. You mm. know, it didn't take me too long to come up with the idea, but um, refining it and making sure all the tones came through clearly, making sure all the colors of the songs mm -hmm. and the, the brightness and everything was like coming through accurately. That's that's mm -hmm. what I do as a mixing engineer is like make sure that all comes through um, mm -hmm. uh, with precision, you know. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna play a snippet of the song. Um, so just real quick, someone's shouting yes, yeah, so like you have a great story, so you know. Right on. Uh, and and I have a, a question for Sylvia. What is the bass sound? That's a how do you describe the bass sound? Oh uh, well, the bass sound is like a common. There's many bass sounds, but like mm -hmm. the, the the past. I mean the the lineage to me comes from like the the summer of love the the psychedelic rock the psychedelic mm. funk mm. That, psychedelic when, when hip hop was kind of coming up uh following those times a lot of those like influences from like Sly and the Family Stone mm. uh, Power of Power you know th those type of sounds were like affecting hip hop they were influencing hip hop. So there's definitely like a funk influence to it. Um, I also came up, uh, the song, the intro song is inspired by Detroit underground hip hop too. Cause Jay Dilla is like a, a revered, revered um, producer from Detroit that inspires all hip hop producers. Um, they have kind of like this certain swing and a certain bounce and a certain like baseline mm -hmm that bounces across the song. 
that really keep it progressing. Um, the bass, he's from Detroit though. So I want to <laughs> kind of blend like a Bay Area mob music sound with like a Detroit mm. sound. Mm, interesting. And, and and because this sound that Jay Dilla enhanced like affects everybody in a way. Interesting. He's like the pioneer of like gritty, jazzy, like lo-fi hip hop. And that's kind of what I want to bring to this, but with a Bay sound. Can I pause it so we can hear a little bit? So people, as they as they heard you explain, and then as we continue to explain a little bit more, um, they can kind of jive with it, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and and I'm gonna share the audio real quick. I like the bass being heavy, but not overpowering. <laughs> you know, it was it was just right. How would you describe what's happening in your in the music? So yeah, here the the kind of the guitar sample kind of sets the tone, and then coming then comes in the drums and the bass to kind of add more like beefiness to it. Mm -hmm. But in the background, you also hear a bit of like uh, organs. Um, there's like a chorus sound. Yeah. So it's very like, kind of like uh, spiritual in a way. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like it's spiritual. It connects to the Bay. It connects to like the lineage of Bay music. It's mm -hmm. also Jay Dilla inspired, but it's, it's its own thing, you know? It is. Um, usually when I write and, I, and I'm in the flow, like it doesn't take me too long to produce the idea. It takes maybe like 30 minutes to an hour to kind of like cook cook up the idea. And then when it's marinating and it's like brewing, mm. that's that that's me really going and refining the mix and making mm. sure the mix is balanced. We had a timeline. Uh, my goal was to have to announce the Real City Ambassadors on my birthday. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we worked on it quick, but we really spent a lot of time talking and, 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 and visualizing what the sound would be. Um, I want to go ahead and jump uh, to just, you know, as a shout out, because we're from the Bay, we're from San Francisco. You know, we also crossed paths at Calle Once. Oh, hey. Calle Once, you know what I mean? Carnival hey, wise, or just when, we, when I went to go and party and have a good time. Um, you know, can you tell me about your experience there? And because you, you're, you're, you know, you're in so many different scenes, and this is one scene that you were in. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I love Kaya Onse. Like yeah. I hold a very special place in my heart to that, to that venue. Um, well, basically, uh, Rocio and Leticia, uh, Leticia Luna. Shout out to Leticia. They, they approached me. Leticia is the owner of Kaya Onse. She's like a, like a, a pioneer, like female venue owner in the Bay area. She's like very successful and very, very, influential on she owned uh, El Rocapulco or owns I'm not sure she, she started Rocapulco uh, she still owns the building there yeah. but they um they they approached me Rocio her daughter approached me shout out to Rocio what's up um, they approached me because they had seen me kind of doing events in the community like Mission Cultural Center um Presida Eyes Festival Brava Theater shout out to all those places too yeah. Carnaval like I had been really involved in, in the community, but I was also, you know, an up and coming engineer at that time. And they were like, you know, we're opening a new venue and we need an engineer, but we need someone who understands the context of the city and the culture in the city. Nice. And since I'm from here and, and I had already been involved in the community, they, it was the right match, you know? And then we threw so many events there. I think there was like <laughs> easily like a hundred or two hundred events a year for the yeah. while it lasted. Right. Um, we had like hyphy wifeys, which was Rocio's event, which was like wait, what was that? <laughs> hyphy wifeys. It was like a tribute to um, like women in the arts in the Bay Area art scene. Ooh. We did like events with like Mister Fab. I remember Dwayne Wiggins come through from Tony Tony Tony. Uh -huh. Uh, San Quinn and RBL Posse rocked one night. Hey, um, you know, a bunch of like local 
cultural influencers like of the day like i feel like at that time like everyone that was like our spot mm, we all, it we was we owned the culture there you know what I yeah mean? yeah we had our, our own place where we can do this and like a safe and a positive and healthy way you know what i mean yeah and shout um, out to leticia going back to what you said what you said um she really uh created a, a that space for us to express ourselves uh not only through carnaval but there were other fundraisers that they supported because they they understood that it's about the it's about the life of the of the community and that's how it keeps businesses afloat unfortunately you know there's covid and so on and so forth happening now but um mm-hmm. i just want to shout out real quick on on on, on the, the efforts the intentional yeah. effort yeah i mean it made its mark on the entertainment industry because there wasn't really any venues in the city that would support like our local talent the way leticia did and and support it in that that capacity with that size with that type of sound system with that type of ambiance and lighting yeah. and everything like it was dope and they also supported community events and people entrepreneur young art creative entrepreneurs who were just trying to get their start and needed a space to um to share their work mm. uh, it was a really dope experience um i'm gonna share another it, photo real it quick. Me, oh sorry no, no, go 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 uh, it taught me a lot about engineering too you know like i did some days deal with like a 12-piece salsa band and plug them in in an hour <laughs> that might have been carnival <laughs> an hour and then have a whole new band set up the next day and i'm the only engineer so i'm like busting ass to like uh-huh. it's, the show is going yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah. a lot about that and about the industry leticia mentored me significant significant significantly yeah. on how to survive that type of atmosphere and how to excel and it's definitely inspiring you know hopefully one day um we could Get back together and, and hold space that way again. So. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Bionix. Hey, you can't forget doing, about Bionix, man. <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with them. Who are they? Uh, just for the public uh, to know about them and their sound and your relationship with them. Yeah. So Bionix, I, I was originally introduced to them. I had, they had performed at Proceed Eyes Festival a few years mm-hmm. when I was younger, but I didn't really know any of them or who they were really until I came back to the city. And I got introduced to Pete, Pedro Gomez, the drummer. Right here. Uh, front and center uh, through Local Bloco and through Brava Theater. And he kind of invited me into his studio that, that Bionics has had for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, he invited me to do some work there. And eventually I hit up, I got to know the group a little bit better. And I hit up Hyro, the lead singer, mm-hmm. about maybe uh, accessing the studio time there and, and renting studio time. So that's where I go to to produce and to develop talent. You know, they, they really gave me a home to uh, really refine my craft. Um, all of them are like family to me. They're, they're like my old big brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They really, really brought me in like family. And um, they're doing great things. Bionics have their own sound that kind of fuses reggae with R&B and hip hop. They do. Yo, but and, just and real Latino music. Yeah, they, they, that the was game. the last band I saw before COVID hit, and it was at El Rio. Now I can never uh, forget, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a banging-ass party over there. And uh, yeah. anyway, that's just my last memory of Bionics and last memory of memory parting prior to COVID. Well, yeah. but, uh-huh. well, folks can still follow up and support music through like the live streaming. They they do like live stream events mm. and there's a short, there's a, there's a small admission fee to their streaming, but like, you know, that's how we got to support ourselves now, you know? So we need all the support we can get from like live streaming and, and the, the access points that we have now. So you if know? you want to follow Bionix, they're on Don't IG. Bill. Shout out to Hiro. Shout out to Pete. Shout out to all uh, Mikey Roots and all the folks at the studio. Word. You know, Elijah was good. Was good. Yeah, speaking was of good. the studio, um, I know you've been, you've been in several studios, and I'm going to come back to Local Bloke, of course, but Zoo Labs. What is yeah. Zoo Labs? Okay. So real briefly, Zoo Labs is a, is a, a music accelerator program mm. 
that supports local artists in developing their business model and their plan to excel in, in today's music industry. Um, they also provide a, a space for us to record and develop our product uh, in Oakland. They have a really, really nice studio in Oakland that, that we've been part of. And I've been lucky enough to be invited by Local Bloco. Mm. Um, the folks at Local Bloco accessed, ac accessed, <laughs> accessed <laughs> a, grant, a grant and a residency there, along with a, a, wow. a bunch of other groups. And so we're, de we're developing a, uh, an album called the Legacia Project, which is taking a, a culmination of uh, music that we've developed over the last 26 years. And we're putting it out under, um, well, under local, local, under our own entity. Basically, we're, we're kind of like pivoting and like making it our own. And we're ready, we're working on an album that we're going to share with the community to hopefully keep uh, programs and workshops running. And we, when we're planning on expanding our workshops to a global reach. Mm. So this is like an opportunity. It's like a platform for us to develop our album, uh, give us a, a business and marketing plan that we can, so that we can expand local locals message across the world. Basically. What's uh, when do you have a, time frame as to when you're releasing this album um it's not clear right now because we're still in development like mm -hmm. we're still producing the album yeah um we're cutting like about eight tracks it's an ep and then we plan on doing a visual to it um we have to develop the art, the album artwork um and have mm -hmm. like a, a really clear uh, marketing strategy on how to reach the potential um, customers and donors that are going to support us down the line So it's not really clear when it's going to be released, but I'll definitely keep social media and the internet's uh, uh, updated when that when that time comes. Last photo, and then I have three questions for you. Uh, Larkin Street. Mm, okay. <laughs> This is a so at Larkin. I'm the arts instructor. I'm kind of like the liaison between um, the different programs that we have there. And I kind of, I bring in young students uh, who are experiencing homelessness mm. here in the city. And I bring them in to, to help them develop their creative side and to help them uh, access certain resources and programs that Larkin Street offers from housing to employment to um, college success. Um, But we're using our art program as a medium to uh, to bring in talent mm -hmm. and to expose them to different opportunities that that may not have otherwise been handed to them. I love it. I love how you're you're painted forward. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, each one teach one kind of mentality, and mm -hmm. you have several projects you work you're working in uh, or working on, but uh, you're always ready to also give back because you were given you know opportunities. I love how you want to give provide those opportunities to others as well, man. Right. It's, it's been my personal mission of mine to, mm -hmm. uh, to take some of the experiences and the opportunities that I consider like privileged experiences, you know, like, yeah. but they're experiences that money can't buy. So yeah. it's a, there's value in, in the experiences that I want to pay forward to other mm -hmm. people who may not have access or the resources to gain. Mm -hmm. on that side so i try to be a resource point to everybody and when you have abundance you know it's it's meant to be shared it's it's not meant to be hoarded so that's what's I'm up trying, i'm trying to share my abundance with other people and it's been like a personal mantra of mine in yeah for the last you know years you know a few years so no i know and uh you know i appreciate uh, a lot of the blessings that you you know, uh, bring to so many people. And so I wanted to bring you on bro before Thanksgiving to, to share one of my blessings, which is, you know, working with you, getting to know you and, and, and both of us growing in our fields together, so to speak and crossing yeah. paths. So yeah. I always end uh, the conversation with three questions. Okay. One, what's your favorite restaurant in San Francisco? I know oh, or one shit. of your favorite, let's keep it that way. So no one gets offended. Shit. That's hard. <laughs> so many good restaurants. Uh huh. 
so many good like I, I'm I'm not really into like the super uber bougie fancy type places. Okay. I, I like when Drop I go to a restaurant, I wanna I wanna make sure I'm getting my dollars worth in like quantity. So because uh, like, I like to eat there's, you like that shit hella fat. There's a reason why I'm named Hella Fat, you know what I mean? <laughs> I like to eat, you know. But um right now I guess uh-huh. Picaro, man. Picaro on sixteenth uh, in Valencia. Oh, that's man. a classic. Yeah, because you can get like you can go really big and get like a big plate, or uh-huh. if you're or you could get some tapas, you know, some really like simple simple plate of tapas, you know. Yeah. It, it doesn't run your wallet too much, but it's definitely like high caliber food. So it's Picaro, definitely. Picaro. I've been there many times. It's a yep. it's a staple for sure. Yeah. Um, your favorite park? Oh, shit. Probably Dolores Park, man. You know, you can't kill, you can't, you can't, you can't beat that view. Exactly. You know? That view right there from, uh, what is that, 20th? And, yeah. And, uh, what's Dolores, this? <laughs> No, church, church. Church. 20th. There you go. Cause that's yeah. where the train passes. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, that's you can't beat that view. You can't. You, know, you got a lot of cool events there, cool gatherings with like just the homies, the friends, you know, like, we all get together there to celebrate being from San Francisco. And that's like, that's yeah. another cool place. Yeah. We're yeah. always working. Like we're, we're always fighting to reclaim Dolores park. <laughs> <Aren't Right, we? right. laughs> it's fun though. Uh, do you have a favorite street? <laughs> favorite street? Yeah. Shit. Man, probably mission street, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mission street has every like access, access to everything. The food, mm-hmm. the culture, the arts, mm-hmm. yeah, um, the other perks of life like the nightlife and entertainment—it's all there. And the yeah. community, the community centers, and the community—like what what the people from the mission value to bring, and 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 the people who are from here, from the city overall. Like we all share this thing in common that we want to preserve, like what's in our our best interest, which is like community, and which is like spreading the wealth and keeping the culture intact so yeah yeah man i'm all about it that's what's up that's a good way to end this bro uh or pause this because we're we're coming back for sure uh you know down the line we're gonna have another conversation and just talk about how these projects that you talked about uh unfolded Um, yeah yeah. anything else you want to you want to say before we 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 call it a a hiatus yeah real quick um i want to shout out uh mc pause Kamani, K.E. the Spirit, uh, Cali Bud and the Strains. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a bunch of folks that I'm working on projects with right now. Dre D. Mm-hmm. You know, we got I got a lot of projects that we didn't even get to mention yet. Right. Uh, a lot of local talent that are in the studio working up, we're uh, cooking up the next uh, the future of the Bay Area sound. Man, we're doing it. We're doing it right now. That's um, and we got like plenty of stuff coming in 2021 and. So just stay in the loop. You can follow me on Instagram at Hellafat Beats. Mm-hmm. Um, visit my website, Hellafat Kits. Just look around. Um, stay in the loop because there's a lot of new product coming to the world that's gonna shake the way the Bay Area hears music. So yay! That's what's up, my G. Carlos Gutierrez, get it right. Yeah, <laughs> Carlos G. Hello, Fat. Oh, shout Hello, out to my mom and dad. Hey, Sylvia. You know, um, a lot of the folks know them through the community, through our annual uh, Menudo party. So, you know, if, if we're able to throw this Menudo party this year, you know, you, you got the invite. It's every January 1st, bringing in the new year right with some fresh. Ooh, bro, you better invite. Menudo. Better invite. All right, <laughs> my peeps. All right, dude. Bay Area, stand up. Peace. Thank you, man.